Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. It's football. I've been watching it for 40 years. Are you kidding me? You're listening to Winning Cures Everything. Game day, baby. Wake up or get out. Here's your host. A confident young man. A superb athlete. Gary Seegers. (laughs) Welcome in. Winning Cures Everything. It is the Sunday, September 18th edition of the show. Hopefully all of you are having good Sunday mornings. And as Jonathan Hood said, this is the College Football Church service. So I am excited about what all went on yesterday. Hopefully you are as well. If you did not watch the College Football Show on BetUS TV, you missed out. 10-3 and three overall against the number. Uh, I went 5-0 and oh against the number. I went 3-0 and oh against the spread on Three Dog Thursday over there. So... Hopefully, you were watching. Hopefully, you checked it out because that is a lot. Cruz jumps in already into the chat says, Hey, Gary, Boomer Sooner. Uh, yes, Boomer Sooner indeed. That was a thrashing. We're going to talk about that in just a little bit. Uh, but yeah, you guys go ahead and jump into the chat for sure. Uh, any questions and whatnot, I will be addressing a lot of those at the end of the show. But if you stay on topic, uh, then I will, <laughs> I will certainly read out some comments as we go throughout the show. Let me go ahead and start off with this. Winning Cures Everything is powered by BetUS. It is America's premier online sportsbook. It is, in fact, where the game begins. Make sure that you head over to BetUS and, and honestly, do yourself a favor. Go to BetUS TV. That is the best space to be. Because, again, the college football show went 10-3 and against the number yesterday. I went 5-0. and uh, Not bad. Not bad. Again, 3-0 and on uh, Three Dog Thursday. I'm just rolling right along. By the way, I've had three straight appearances on Three Dog Thursday. I am 8-1 and one against the spread. Just absurd. Just absurd. Uh, Ryan jumps in. Uh, where are the Sharps that uh, that were on the Corn Hustlers? Ah, well, here's the deal. Uh, they didn't know what they were talking about. And I understand their reasoning behind it. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But it's a little ridiculous, right? Like, we knew that there was a roster problem here. When you just compared the two rosters, Oklahoma was vastly superior 
and and you knew that Oklahoma had played basically nobody. So why would you bet on Nebraska in that spot even at home? Like it just it, that that was a game I was staying away from regardless. Absolutely. All right. Let's dive into some of this stuff. Let's talk about what's actually going on. Uh, you guys know, if you've watched this show before, I start off with the top five most unlikely wins based on post-game win expectancy, and I do the top five most exciting games from Saturday. So why don't we go ahead and dive into that. Uh, now, I did not include the late, late, late games because I don't have the calculations done on those just yet, but I will because I got to tell you, I had to get some sleep last night after all that mess. Uh, good gracious. We will start off with the top five most unlikely wins yesterday. Number five, how ridiculous is this? Florida, 31-28 to over South Florida. Of course, missed field goal at the end. Terrible hold. Uh, it was ridiculous. But Florida, only a 33% postgame win expectancy based on the stats in that game. Uh, they played terribly. I mean, it was awful. Now, cheers, of course, goes to South Florida for getting up off the mat after that week one drubbing that they took to BYU. But these two teams are headed in completely different directions. South Florida appears to be developing. Florida gets that win over Utah, looked awful against Kentucky last week, and then was very lucky to get by with a win here. So, uh, number four here, Wyoming. 17, Air Force 14. Wyoming only had a 33% postgame win expectancy. Now, the numbers were a little bit different on this one, but regardless, it's... Air Force never does well in Laramie. Air Force now 5-16 against the spread, their last 21 against Wyoming, uh, and they don't win in Laramie. They have not covered a spread in Laramie since 2008. Just awful. Uh, number three, Syracuse, 32, Purdue, 29. If you watch this, that I think this was the craziest, craziest game of the day. It was beyond ridiculous. 32-29, to 29, and Syracuse only had a 28% postgame win expectancy. Based on that, they were outgained... By, and we're going to talk about this. They were outgained by like 180 yards. It was just nuts. Uh, number two, Indiana 33, Western Kentucky 30. Shout out to the dude on the Bet US college football show that was in the chat that said his numbers actually had Western Kentucky favored. We were wrong. Western Kentucky should have won this game. Indiana had an 18% postgame win expectancy. And then this one, Charlotte 42, Georgia State 41. So now Georgia State starts off the year 0-3. Now, granted, the first two were against South Carolina and North Carolina, but they lose to Charlotte here, who is not great. Charlotte had, based on the stats, a 0% postgame win expectancy. Now, it's more than likely 0.8 or something along those lines, right? Somewhere in there. But it it popped up as 0. 0% postgame win expectancy. Like, if they played that game over and had the exact same stats, that win would never happen again for Charlotte. That's insane. That's insane based on the stats. Now, obviously, you know that these numbers can be a little skewed and whatnot, but regardless, it is a, it's a fun way to look at these games. Uh, we are going to look at the top five most exciting games from the day before we jump into our deep dives, our quick reactions, whatever you want to call them, our recaps of the individual games. But... Uh, the top five most exciting games will start off at number five here. And Indiana, 33. Western Kentucky, 30. That one was number five based on the excitement index over at Game on Paper. Yeah, by the way, go ahead and check those out. GameOnPaper.com has the most advanced uh, stats as far as box scores go. 
very, very insightful. Number four, UCLA 32, South Alabama 31. We're going to talk about that one here. Number three, App State 32, Troy 28. Yeah, I know you've all seen it. You've all seen the clip. Chase Bryce doing it up. Bailey jumped in, by the way. What about my boy Chase Bryce? Sheesh. Uh, Yeah, cheers to Chase Bryce, who threw a Hail Mary that didn't even get to the end zone and yet still completed the pass off of a batted ball, and it got run in. I mean, just (laughs) ridiculous. Uh, Michael Fritz jumped in and said, what's up, Gary? What is up, Michael? How are you? Uh, Rice, 33. Louisiana, 21. That was the number two. And I think it had to do with the fact that Rice was such a heavy underdog, and they kept finding ways to basically keep the lead in this game. I mean, they were... It, it was very interesting to see what happened. Louisiana, not quite the same without Billy Napier, of course. And the number one most exciting game based on the excitement index over at GameOnPaper.com is Syracuse 32, Purdue 29. 10-9 the score heading into the fourth quarter. 42 combined points in the fourth. Just nuts. Just nuts. All right. Let's dive into it. Let's talk about these games. Hopefully you guys are excited. Let's see. The number one game here. Texas A&M 17, Miami 9. Now, I I looked at this and I thought, hmm. Texas A&M still didn't do a whole lot on offense. Right? That's a, that's the biggest thing here that I took away from it. A&M was still not good on offense. However, the demise of Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher, I believe, has been greatly exaggerated. They still have incredible football players. They are still really, really good. Let's go ahead and pull up the stats here so you can see exactly what we're looking at. Um, Miami, you know, where this game turned was early, early, because Miami fumbled that punt return early on after forcing a three and out on A&M's second drive of the game. Uh, A&M went three plays, 28 yards, scored a touchdown, you know, which, by the way, Max Johnson uh, looks more poised, I will say. Looks more poised than uh, one Haynes King. So I think that we have a brand new starter in College Station. Uh, Miami wide receiver drops. Just not good. Not good. Uh, missed field goal, blocked field goal in the first half. I mean, that kept it 10-3. to Miami, Cristobal is not good at playing catch-up. And it felt like the entire game that he was not playing to win the game, that he was playing to not lose the game, or at least not lose it big. Because once you're down 10-3, to all you need is one score. At the end of this game, you know, A&M was down, what, three, four defensive backs? I, I don't understand why they wouldn't test those cornerbacks. They didn't do anything deep. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Uh, let's see, Matt Cox jumps in. Texas A&M would be dangerous uh, with something. <laughs> you didn't complete the sentence. Uh, and then he said A&M uh, gets another test on Saturday. Yeah, they do have Arkansas on Saturday. It, it's, a, it's a tough schedule for A&M all the way through. Uh, not cheers to him for getting this done, but my goodness. When you look at the overall stats, they were outgained by nearly 130 yards in this game. Now, Miami did have two turnovers. Uh, when you look at yards per play, it was the exact same. But this is yet another game where A&M did not run a ton of plays. Like, it's, it's pretty nuts that, they, that that offense cannot stay on the field for whatever reason. Um, but when you look at the rest of it here, uh, yeah, field position uh, was in A&M's favor. 
uh, defensive points or points off turnovers, et cetera. That was in A&M's favor. Uh, points per scoring opportunity, which is you know points off of drives that get inside the opponent's 40-yard line. Yeah, 3.4 to 1.5. Uh, Miami had more trips inside the opponent's 40, but A&M's defense stood up time and time again, over and over and over again. It was interesting to watch. I will say that. It was interesting to watch. I, I think that Miami can be good, but the same problems that Cristobal had at... The same problems that he had over at Oregon is exactly what's showing up here at Miami. He is incredibly conservative. And I didn't think that we would necessarily see that with Josh Gaddis. But I will tell you, the wide receiver thing is a problem. The drops are certainly an issue with Miami. Now, as far as Texas A&M goes, definitely awesome to see, you know, guys like Max Johnson, 10 out of 20, 140, one touchdown, no mistakes, really. No no big-time mistakes, no giving the ball to the other team. Uh, A-chain, 88 yards on 18 carries, not bad. Um, you know, receiving, you got Anaya Smith, full reception, 74 yards. But, I mean, look at these. Look at these numbers. Like, it, you got 32 rushes and only 20 passes. You, you ran 52 plays. Like, <laughs> just not good. Just not good. You got to find a way to, yeah, Ryan McCracken. Got to think A&M couldn't score 30 on the Westlot Pirates. Uh, yeah, uh, it's it's getting, re- it, it, it feels like they can't get out of their own way. You know, it's not that they were awful. It's just you can't pick up the downs when you need it. Uh, going back to those third downs, you know, four out of 12. Again, it's not the worst number in the world, but you got to be able to convert. You got to stay on the field. And it is amazing to me that that defense was able to hold as much as they did with as much time as they were on the field. Like Miami held the ball for 34 minutes. Last week, App State held the ball for like 42 minutes. Like, unbelievable. Just unbelievable. Uh, the win probability as the game wore on, I mean, just continued in A&M's favor. It was, it was nuts. It was nuts. So we'll see what A&M's made of again next week. Uh, it's easy to win at home. Now, granted, they will be the quote-unquote home team in AT&T Stadium next week. But, yeah, this is, this is going to be interesting against Arkansas because Arkansas, their offense can really stay on the field. Uh, and I'm, I'm not planning on talking about Bobby Petrino coming back to Arkansas, but, uh, but regardless, it, it, was, it was a lot of fun. So, yeah, Texas A&M, uh, surprising a little bit, but, you know, they got the win. This is a, it was a huge bounce-back spot for them, so cheers to them for getting that thing done. All right, moving along, we're moving to Penn State 41, Auburn 12, and... You know, uh, this is another one of those interesting ones. Um, either Brian Harson or the team. Uh, and it, it's one of two things. Either they don't care because they don't have the right quarterback and they know that they can't win, or um, or they're just really, really, really bad. And I, I can't decide which one it is because I, I think... I mean, maybe it's a combination because they just do not have the roster put together that that would make sense here, right? And maybe I'm crazy. I mean, you guys can fill me in on this, but I, I Penn State just demolished them 
I mean, it was it was not even close. Uh, from from the word go, really. I mean, Auburn, like when they were on script early, it looked good. As soon as they got off the script, and they had to uh, find a way to not necessarily improvise, but you you get the point. They didn't look good. I mean, they were they were putrid. Uh, looking at the stats here, yards per play, Penn State had 7.7. They had 477 total yards. And now Auburn had 415, but still, Auburn had four turnovers to zero for Penn State. Uh, on top of that, it, the third down tries heavily skewed in Penn State's favor. Um, at, you know, at looking at points per scoring opportunity, both teams had six scoring opportunities. That drives inside the 40. 5.67 for Penn State. They finished drives. Uh, they had 10 points off of turnovers. They had the way better field position, obviously because of the turnovers. But, you know, Nick Singleton, 10 rushes for 124 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, that's absurd. TJ Finley and Robbie Ashford both threw a pick in this game. Um, Penn State, by the way, the Penn State fans were awesome. What a showing by the Penn State faithful. Coming down to Auburn, making their presence felt, it was a good time for all because this team looks legit. And I think that Purdue might actually be a pretty good team because Penn State did not look this good against Purdue. And against Auburn, they, and that's a talented roster that Auburn has. I mean, just talented. But, man, uh, did they get destroyed in this one. Uh, in the second half for Penn State, now remember, it was fourteen to six at the half. They had a touchdown, field goal off of a fumble, a touchdown off an interception, four plays and a touchdown, six plays and a touchdown, or excuse me, nine plays and a uh, field goal. And the best part about the game is Clifford didn't have to be great in this game, and yet he was still really, really good. If you look at his overall numbers here, uh, going back to the actual game. Sean Clifford, 14 out of 19 for 178 yards, ran six times for 15 yards and one touchdown. No turnovers, clean game, beautiful. Drew Allar got in two for two. I mean, it's awesome. It's awesome. Uh, just, just a clean game by them and not clean at all by Auburn. Tank Bixby could not get going. Nine attempts for 39 yards. Robbie Ashford ran the ball more times than Tank Bixby did. Now, obviously, when you get in a hole, you're going to need to throw the ball more. But they were they were down 14 to six in the first half. They could have run Bixby more than they did. Uh, just mistake after mistake for this Auburn football team, and it continues on. Uh, so the Harson watch is officially on, right? I mean, that's that's exactly what we're getting here. Uh, and this, of course, after Penn State fumbled on their on their first drive. <laughs> I mean, just just ridiculous. But uh, but yes, I mean overall. If you're a Penn State fan, you are excited today. You are very excited uh, because this, you had two big road games to start off your season. You had at Purdue on a Thursday night, and then you had at Auburn, national TV on CBS, and you got them. You got both of them. Now, you did this last year, uh, but now I think there's a little more hope that even if Sean Clifford goes down, you've still got a quarterback that can actually make it happen. So, I'm I'm excited for Penn State's prospects. I mean, you guys know if you watch the show, I picked them to go ten and two this year. Um, a lot of people thought I was nuts, but this team looks like they are capable of doing some really really exciting things. So I'm I'm excited to see exactly where Penn State goes next. 
Uh, but this is a veteran team that looks pretty good. They've got young pieces in the right places. Singleton looks like an absolute beast. That's two straight games of a 100-yard rusher. Didn't have one of those at all last year. So definitely big things there. Syracuse. You guys know that I'm excited about this one. Syracuse 32, Purdue 29. Whew. Uh, what a what a ball game. What an absolute ball game this was. I I can't even begin to describe the emotions that I felt in this game because Garrett Schrader was not good. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, this game was 10 to 9 Syracuse going into the fourth quarter. And Syracuse scored 22 points and Purdue scored 20 in the fourth. I mean, they were swinging haymakers at each other back and forth, back and forth. It was bonkers to see this. I I can't even tell you uh, what I was feeling because I had a large sum of money on Syracuse in this game. And, and they just looked awful. Uh, 82 Atlantic jumps in. Why did Vegas make Liberty a double-digit underdog versus Wake Forest? I hopped all over that when I first saw it. Uh, because Liberty is still playing their third-string quarterback based on when the season started. Now, Salter is still really good, but that's not one of the games that uh, that I'm planning on on going over today. But, yeah, Liberty is good, but they, they've had a lot of things break their way. Regardless, if you bet it, you were certainly on the right side. If you bet Liberty, you were on the right side. Uh, but, yeah, looking at Syracuse, you know, 42 combined points in the fourth quarter. Garrett Schrader missed just open dudes all day. And it's not like he he threw it and it didn't go where it was supposed to go. It was he missed guys running wide open multiple times. And it drove me absolutely bonkers. And and he goes from where he can't hit the broadside of a barn to where he's throwing absolute dimes. That let I have to give him kudos on the last one. Because my goodness, what a perfect throw with pressure in his face, absolutely dropped a dime in there for the touchdown. Now, the pass interference before that, eh, probably questionable, maybe, right? Like, I don't I don't think that that was pass interference, especially with the fact that the ball went off into the stand somewhere. But, eh, you know, like I, I'll take it because I had a big ticket on Syracuse. So... Uh, post-game win expectancy, Syracuse only 28% here. At, look at these total yards. 485 to 306 in favor of Purdue. Yards per play, 6.3 to 4.7. Now, Purdue did have a turnover. There were it, it, the third downs heavily skewed in Purdue's favor. Uh, by the way, the fact that Syracuse could not get anything going on the ground here. Purdue's got something going on. Like, I, George Karloftis, which, by the way, if you watch Thursday night uh, NFL football, George Karloftis is an absolute beast. He is already playing major minutes for the Kansas City Chiefs as a rookie, and he was just at Purdue last year. And Purdue doesn't, they don't have guys like that that grow on trees out in Purdue. Like, at West Lafayette, don't produce that stuff. And yet, they lost him, and that defense still kind of doing its thing. You know, very, very surprising. Uh, looking at the fourth down tries, of course, Syracuse hit their only one. Purdue was one of two. Scoring opportunities. Purdue had more, and they had more points per scoring opportunity. They were better at finishing drives. Syracuse, however, did get that one touchdown off of a turnover, a defensive score. Uh, both teams' field position was 
basically the same as far as average. Uh, this was this was, the game changer was that defensive score for Syracuse. They were not going to be able to move the ball efficiently at all, and getting those extra points obviously was the difference in the ball game there. Um, I mean, just looking at the numbers, my gosh. By the way, Aiden O'Connell, uh, just absolute banger here. Aiden O'Connell, uh, yeah, 82 Atlantic. Aiden O'Connell's pick six in the fourth quarter is among the worst interceptions I've ever seen in my life. Yes, yes, indeed. However, uh, when you go and look at AOC's numbers, 39 out of 55, 424, three touchdowns, one pick. Look, they're asking him to throw the ball all the time. All the time. Like, you got 55 passes to only 22 runs. Like, and and those runs obviously include, like, you know, sacks or, or whatever. So, yeah, you're asking him to do a lot in that offense. You're going to have bad plays every now and then. It's, it's the old Bear Bryant adage, right? With the, the When you pass the football, you've only got three things that can happen, and two of them are bad. <laughs> you can throw a pick, you can throw an incompletion, or you can complete the pass. So, a lot of different ways. A lot of different ways it could go. But, man, what a ball game. What an absolute ball game. Uh, I'm not going to take a drink yet. We're going to get through one more game, and then I'm going to hit a quick ad. But uh, this game was just awesome. I mean, it's everything you love about college football. It was it was absolutely insane. It was so good. Everything about this game was great. God, I love college football. All right, moving along. Moving along. We have got App State 32 and Troy 28. Now this, another one, that is everything that you like about college football, right? At least it is to me. The, the late game antics the back and forth, the rivalry game that you didn't even really think was a rivalry game because App State has dominated this series lately. But John Sumrall comes into Troy, does his thing. Uh, Troy, now here, let me let me walk you through the sequence of events here. Uh, Troy was up uh, 28-24. to 24, And they were close to their own end zone because, of course, they had gotten a stop with like a minute... 15 left or minute 20 left or whatever. App State, of course, still had timeouts, etc. So they were able to get the stop. And App State, rather than punt the football out of their own end zone, elects with like 20 seconds left to intentionally take a safety. Now, you know that you're going to give the other team really good field position. And if you're only up by four and you give up a safety... It's 28 to 26. So if the other team even gets into field goal range, they can still beat you. So why on earth, like you must feel really awful about your punt protection unit, right? Like that's the only explanation that I can see because it it literally made no sense to do an intentional safety with that much time left on the clock. I mean, that is just insane to me. So, regardless, uh, Chase Bryce, three straight incompletions. There's two minutes left. And from his own 47-yard line, I believe, uh, he can't even get the ball to the end zone on a Hail Mary play. Like, it got batted at the five-yard line. And yet, because it was batted at the five-yard line, that allowed more space for, uh, let me get the guy's name right, Christian Horn. 
to pull it down and actually run it around the end into the end zone. It was the craziest ending I have ever seen in my life. And for for those of us that had either a Troy over or a Troy plus 450 to win the Mac West, painful. Painful to watch because that would have been a good one to have in your back pocket. But, uh, good gracious. Uh, Boone, by the way, college game day. Awesome. Awesome experience out there. That looked like a fun crowd. I mean, they were... They were going bonkers. It was so much fun out there. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Um, yeah, I, what, what would we think of App State if they had actually won the game against North Carolina? That's what I'm curious about. What would we have thought about them? I, I mean, they'd be 3-0. They'd obviously be ranked. I mean, they, they got a win over a top-10 team. That give If they had a win over... Um, over a pretty good North Carolina team. Uh, and then, of course, you got to win over Troy. Like, this is a pretty brutal opening stretch for them. Like, I think the schedule actually will get a little bit easier as it goes through. Which, by the way, App State won everything, basically, uh, other than they had a turnover and Troy did not. Like, they had a better third down percentage. They had more total yards by almost 100 yards. They had more than a full yard per play. Uh, they had more points per scoring opportunities. They, you know, all these different things. Um, just insane. Just absolutely insane. Field position, better field position for them. And this was uh, this was nuts. By the way, Chase Bryce in this game, um, 22 out of 34, 278 yards, and two touchdowns. And, of course, Peoples uh, went for 84 yards here. Like, this, this team just finding ways to get it done, even after losing a bunch of dudes from last year. Like their their returning production was not great. So this team's a lot of fun. They are really really good and I was uh I mean that I don't know how you couldn't get excited about that game. Just I don't I don't have a clue. All right. Let's knock this out. It takes about a minute and then I will be right back. Let's check out some things you should know about. College football is back. BetUS TV has you covered every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. We've got expert game analysis to help you make informed decisions before kickoff only on the BetUS TV College Football Channel. Visit winningcureseverything.com to find everything you need to know about us, including full shows in video or podcast form, gambling picks, merch, the gear we use, and more. If you want more content from me, Gary, visit BetUSTV.com. I host the How to Gamble on Sports Show and, from August through January, the BetUS College Football Show. You can subscribe to both on YouTube. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or whatever's your favorite podcast app. And if your app allows it, leave a five-star written review. Visit the Winning Cures Everything web store to get all kinds of football shirts, hats, hoodies, mugs, and more. Visit winningcureseverything.com slash store to see what all we've added. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, back to the show. All right. Uh, 82 Atlantic jumped in. Is Dino Babers getting that contract extension soon? I doubt it because uh, he's already got a pretty good contract, and the buyout is just absurd. There were there was talk that even if this season had gone really poorly, that they couldn't afford to pay him out. So uh, that's that's the way that I would sit on that one. I, I, would, I would hold off a little bit <laughs> before, we, before we talk about Dino. All right. Tulane, 17, Kansas State, 10. Uh, I'm not going to spend as long on the next however many. Maybe I might need to still move that mic back. Little little poppy. All right. Uh, looking at the stats here. Tulane, offensive yards per play. You know, more than half a yard per play, really. Uh, same total yards. The turnovers. Like, Kansas State won that one. Tulane won this game even having two turnovers. I mean, just ridiculous. Uh, Josh jumps in. Go Tigers. Yeah, yeah, all right, all right, I'm in, I'm in. Uh, Let's see, Kansas State had a better third down percentage, which Tulane had two turnovers and went one of 12 on third down. How nuts is that? And still won the game at Kansas State. It was Willie Fritz's first P5 win while he's at Tulane. That is crazy to me. Uh, felt like that program was mo- like much further along, at least to me. Uh, each team had seven punts in this game. Like this, this was sicko nightmare. This was Iowa fuel. Uh, Michael Pratt, this dude was dealing on that final drive, absolutely dealing in this game. Um, it just it, this was to me unexpected because Kansas State had looked like a juggernaut early on this year. I mean, they just looked really, really good and. And after that, I mean, it, it's been not great. Adrian Martinez, 21 out of 31 for 151, or excuse me, 150 yards and one touchdown. Deuce Vaughn was kind of bottled up the whole game. Uh, that fourth down that Kansas State went for, fourth and one at the two-lane 44 with not a lot of time left, with the game tied uh, 10 to 10. Uh, I mean, they just got stuffed in that spot. Just absolutely stuffed. I mean, it was... It was ridiculous to watch it because you know it. Now here's the deal: Chris Kleiman ran the triple option at uh, where North Dakota State. Excuse me, Josh. Uh, looking forward to OU. Uh, yeah, possibly. I mean, it definitely was a, a look ahead spot for them. But regardless, you have the better roster, or at least we thought it was the better roster, and Tulane even with their mistakes, even with not being able to convert third downs, et cetera, which, I mean, you can see right here, uh, third downs, one of 12. However, they were one of five on uh, fourth down. Kansas State, not much better, two out of 15, one of five on fourth down. 
Like, you got to be more efficient. You got to be able to have successful plays, and Kansas State could not get it done. Um, it was, it was weird. Like Fritz going for it on his own twenty-four on fourth and inches to preserve the win was awesome. Like it, it was, it was just great. That was the fourth down. That was the one that they needed. They got it, and they ran out the clock, and it was fantastic. Cheers to Tulane for getting that thing done. Because man. I mean, you want to talk about a fun, a fun team, a fun ball game. Uh, Tulane now has more wins this season in the first three games than they did all of last season. They went two and ten with Chip Long as their OC last year, and Chip Long, of course, moves over to Georgia Tech, and Tulane goes back to Willie Ball, and they are successful. It's it's amazing how that works. Amazing how it works. All right, moving along, Kansas. Oh yes. Oh, yes, indeed. I can't tell you how much I loved this. Kansas, 48, Houston, 30. This is the first Kansas team to win two road games in a season since the 2007 Orange Bowl team. Not bad. Houston opened up this game 14 to nothing. Um, Of course, Kansas came down and scored, and then Houston threw a pick, and that was all she wrote because Kansas immediately tied the game. And they dominated from there. Uh, if you look at what actually went on here, um, I skipped ahead a little bit, didn't I? Uh, if you look at what happened, uh, Kansas scored six straight touchdowns other than the drive that ended the half. Six straight touchdown drives for them. And then, of course, they closed it out with two field goal drives at the end. Um, I mean, just, just awesome. Jalen Daniels, by the way, Absolute stud. Absolute stud. And I know that nobody wants to talk about it, but when a guy is this good at Kansas and he still has a bunch of eligibility left, who's going to try and pay him? Who's going to try and pay him then try and get him to leave? I don't think he'll leave because I think what Leipold is building there is a culture, and he built it quicker than anybody could have imagined because it's not. It, he's been there not even a year and a half at this point. I mean, he has he got there in April of last year. Like, it took that amount of time, just a minuscule amount of time for them to be able to build something up here. Uh, Houston, dumb mistakes over and over and over again. Uh, this defense could not stop the run. Sir, uh, excuse me, Kansas, not Syracuse. Kansas, 43 runs in the game, averaged five, excuse me, 6.5 yards per run. That will get you beat almost all the time. Uh, Kansas had more yards per play. Now, Houston had more total yards. Houston had two turnovers. Um, third down tries. Kansas was more efficient on third down. Uh, Houston went forward on fourth once, didn't get it. Kansas went forward on fourth once and did get it. it Kansas had more scoring opportunities. That's drives inside the 40-yard line. Uh, they scored 5.86 points per on that. They had 14 points off of turnovers. They, they had better field position at their own 36 as opposed to K, uh, Houston's own 27. I mean, this was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful game. And I'm hoping that college game day is headed there next week. Because, man, what what an atmosphere in Lawrence, Kansas. Like, you know that college game day has been there for basketball quite a bit. But how many times have they been there for football? That'd be a big old zero, my friends. Big old zero. Uh, Cuse jumps in. Cuse is rocking. Yeah, yeah. Cuse got lucky with that win yesterday. But 
think about this. Syracuse is 3-0. Kansas 3-0. Duke is 3-0. Kentucky's 3-0. I mean, what is going on here? Like, what, what kind of what kind of mayhem are we trying to cause? Uh, Clayton Toon, again, not great, but was about the only thing that they had. He was their leading rusher. Um, they just, they, they can't seem to figure out exactly what they want to do. Like, without the running back that they lost in the offseason, uh, they they just can't, they can't figure things out. Like, it's, I don't know what is happening. And that defense, man, they gave Belk that huge contract. And this team, yikes. I mean, this is not good. This is not a good Houston team. Um, regardless, I mean, you see the win probability. It was a heavily favored Houston's way, especially when they went up 14 to nothing. And then it just drops. And you see Kansas just rides that thing out. What a fantastic, fantastic win for the Kansas Jayhawks. Moving along from there, we have got Washington 39 and Houston, excuse me, and Michigan State 28. Wow. Of course I watched the ball game. You guys know what's up. Uh, this one was interesting, to say the least. Um, Washington, like I, I wagered on Washington in this game. I thought that Michigan State would not be able to slow down the pass. And when you look at the stats, uh, yeah, it, it certainly shows that way. Total yards, Washington had, you know, nearly 150 more yards. Uh, they had, you know, more than a yard and a half yards per play uh, advantage. Third downs, identical. Fourth down tries, Michigan State actually was more uh, successful on fourth down than they were. Washington had eight scoring opportunities. That is drives inside of the 40-yard line. They were awesome. Um Points per scoring opportunity, Michigan State obviously hit that because I think that, oh, no. Jeremy said ESPN's opted to go Tennessee-Florida. Oh, I wondered if they were going to have logistical problems. Regardless, uh, it, back to this game. Uh, so Michigan State had more points per scoring opportunity because they, they finished those drives down there. Washington had to kick a few field goals, and Washington hit big plays. So those did not count as, quote-unquote, scoring opportunities. Um Washington had points off turnover. They had better field position, you know, at their own 44 as opposed to Michigan State's own 20. They won the field position game, and it was awesome. Uh, looking at the numbers, Michael Penix, just 24 out of 40, 397 yards, four TDs, no picks. And then he ran the ball four times for four yards. So nothing negative here. How awesome is that? Uh, they didn't have to run the football much because Kalen DeBoer does not run the football much. Pretty awesome. I, I love it. Uh, all all the stuff about this. What all did I write down? Oh, Washington scored touchdowns on four of their five first-half drives. The only one that they did not score a touchdown on, it actually led to a safety that got them the ball back. So that's how they ended up with 29 points in that first uh, in the first half. Um, the fourth and goal on the one that led to that safety, it just a, a weird call. Like, Penix absolutely got stuffed on that. Uh, Washington held Michigan State to 1.4 yards per rush. If if Michigan State cannot run the football and you have to bank on Peyton Thorne being able to win a game, like and, and don't get me wrong, it's not like he was bad in this game. It's just incredibly difficult for them to do because that's not what their offense is based on. Like Just go and look at Mel Tucker and what he's trying to do here. 30 out of 42, 323 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. Like he, uh, by the way, this, how awesome was it to see Keon Coleman doing well? Obviously plays basketball, but 
nine receptions, 116 yards, and two touchdowns. I mean, he was great. He was great. Washington obviously still has things that they need to work on, but Michigan State was never really the 11th best team in the country, Um, especially not going on the road at a team like Washington. Washington always had the pieces. They always had the pieces. But you had to have a coach in there that was competent. And Kalen Moore is competent. So, good stuff all around uh, for Washington. I mean, they are they are pumped right now. And the Pac-12 certainly looks different today than it did uh, not that long ago. You know, this is, this is bonkers stuff here. Uh, UCLA 32. Let's swap this back over. UCLA 32, South Alabama 31. Allergies killing me. Killing me. And what a fantastic game. I had to go back and rewatch this. Because, of course, it was on the Pac-12 network. I couldn't see it. It is what it is. Um, I, the, the biggest takeaway for me from this game was the ridiculous uh, fake field goal, whatever it is, that Kane Womack was trying to do, or Womack, or whatever. I'm I'm trying to understand what it was that he was doing. Um, because they, they lined up... And I wish I could show this, but I, you keep getting YouTube DMCA stuff or whatever. Uh, they, they lined up in a field goal formation. They're up 31 to 29. It's going to be a long field goal. They line up in the field goal formation... And then run the kicker or the place, whoever it is, out wide. And you don't have enough blockers, really, to do what you would like to do. But it's it's fourth and short. And you elect to run the football from seven yards back, eight yards back, whatever it is. I don't understand why that would be looked at as more efficient than just running your quarterback, Carter Bradley, that had been having a big day already up there. Like, your your running back, LaDamian Webb, had, uh, let's see, 16 carries for 124 yards in the game. Like, if it's fourth and short, uh, you'd have a better chance of getting it if you actually ran him. Uh, Carter Bradley, if you look at the actual game stats, which I guess I can I guess I can go on and pull those up, can I? Um, da-da-da-da... There we go. All right, so UCLA wins this. Uh, it's 6.1 yards per play to only 5.7. They outgained them 407 to 399. Both teams had two turnovers. Uh, South Alabama, way better third down percentage. Scoring opportunities, UCLA had more, but South Alabama scored 4.43 to 3.25 points per scoring opportunity. And South Alabama had more points off turnovers, more defensive points, et cetera. Uh, UCLA had better advantage as far as the field position goes, but when you look at... What they were doing here. 26 out of 36, 237 yards. Yeah, he threw a pick. He threw one touchdown, though. Um, and then Webb, 124 and one touchdown. Like, Jalen Wayne in this game, 76 receptions. Like, he's he was awesome. Like, the, all these guys were awesome. Why would you try the fake field goal thing? And, of course, it gives UCLA the short field to be able to go and kick the field goal, and they win the game. I mean, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, DTR, was their saving grace in this game. 20 out of 30, 263 yards, three touchdowns. Zach Charbonnet, uh, 13 attempts, 
you know, 13 carries for 78 yards. Like this, UCLA found a way to get it done. Uh, but it was weird. It was certainly weird. I mean, if you look at the drive chart here, just uh, this one. This is probably the better one, uh, at least to show you exactly what we're trying to do. You look at this at the end of the game, and it's South Alabama, touchdown, and then UCLA fumbles, and South Alabama, touchdown, two play, six yards, you know, whatever. UCLA comes back down, touchdown, doesn't get the two-point conversion, punt, punt, and then this. You're at the UCLA 22, and then you get sacked to the 11. So it's it, it wouldn't have been a long field goal. It would have been relatively short. Like, I... I don't get what I think sometimes these coaches outthink themselves. I really do. Uh because then, you know, you've got UCLA that had two minutes and fifty two seconds to take it right back down the field and kick a twenty four yard field goal to win the game. Just absurd. Just absolutely absurd. But I mean props to South Alabama for keeping this thing close. It's just you you could have won that ball game. You should have won that ball game. And instead just ugh, so gross. Uh, let's talk about a Friday night game right quick. Florida State 35, Louisville 31. And, you know, Florida State won this game with, with Tate Rodemaker at quarterback. Uh, and, and you look at the numbers, and you would not really be able to tell the difference. Uh, <laughs> because Florida State, uh, 7.1 offensive yards per play, and that's with Rodemaker in for basically the entire second half. I mean, just nuts. Humphrey uh, Megiddo jumps in. These games keep ending till late, Gary. Uh, big noon to three in the morning on the East Coast on these Saturdays. Yeah, yeah. No, that's it's nuts. It's nuts. Uh, God, I stayed up for all of it. That's why I look like death this morning. But I'm still here. Still here. Cuse number forty four said Syracuse could be five and zero when they face NC State, and both will be ranked. Uh, it depends on how bad Clemson beats NC State if they do in fact beat them. Right? I think that's the biggest thing. We'll see. But yeah, Syracuse certainly has a path. They have certainly got a path. Oh, I need that coffee so so badly. Uh, so Florida State here, um, they only had two turnovers to Louisville's three. Uh, when I look at this, you know, uh, even with missing the late thirty-six yard field goal, Florida State did enough to win the ball game. Louisville mistakes, mistakes, mistakes again. I mean, just brutal to to see this uh yeah 82 Atlantic jumps in and said Scott Satterfield is getting fired at the end of the season it kind of looks that way I mean I it's not like they were trying to lose this game but my gosh uh 11 penalties for 81 yards here you you can't keep doing this you had three turnovers uh especially late in this game this game was tied Louisville took a lead then Florida State tied it. Louisville took another lead. Florida State takes a lead, and then you you have your fourth and two at the Florida State 45, which, yes, absolutely, you have to go for that. But, you know, you, you throw a pass to Tyler Hudson. It's not completed. Like, I, I don't know. Florida State misses a field goal, and then you come back out, and he throws an interception. And this was just... Not a good ball. It just like I, there. There's all kind of. I don't know. I I thought that Louisville was going to be good this year, and yes, obviously it's 
it's one thing to lose at Syracuse and to lose to Florida State, who appears to be a pretty good, competent football team. But, man, what a difference. Uh, just everything. I mean, Malik Cunningham is a fantastic player. I don't think he's got a ton of help around him. But it also feels like he doesn't have a lot of good coaching around him either. And that's a problem. Uh, I'm, I'm telling you, if Purdue makes a bowl game, screw that. It, Purdue doesn't even have to make a bowl game. If Louisville feels like they can get Jeff Brom, they're going to bring Brom in. I mean, bottom line, like they they haven't liked Satterfield from year one, for whatever reason. There's, he he has not had the level of support there that a lot of former coaches have, uh, and it's it's a weird place. So they're going to try and bring in Brom, I would imagine, and we'll see where it goes from there. We will see where it goes from there. Uh, Oklahoma, let's talk about this one. I'm uh, I'm pretty excited about this because, man, uh, there were a lot of people that were just jumping all over Nebraska, and I just didn't see it. I could not find it. And this is why. Uh, good gracious, yards per play, over two and a half more yards per play for Oklahoma, 580 yards to only 327. Um, I mean, just nuts. Uh, only one turnover for Oklahoma to only two for Nebraska, which is kind of nuts. You would think in a game like the, where it's this lopsided – that Nebraska would have had more turnovers, but no. Uh, 62.5% on third down for Oklahoma. 35% on third down for Nebraska. Uh, Oklahoma got one of their two fourth down tries. They had nine drives inside the 40, nine scoring opportunities. They had 4.67 points per scoring opportunity and 2.8 to Nebraska. They they scored off of uh, defense, like off turnovers. They had nine yards of field position advantage. Just bonkers here. Uh, they they destroyed them. Look at these drive charts. I mean, this is... <laughs> you get, you score a touchdown on the second drive. You punt on the next one. And then it's touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Missed field goal. Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. And then once you get into garbage time, I mean, it's just ridiculous. And, and Nebraska scored on that first drive and then on their last drive. And that's it. Just nuts. Uh, Humphrey jumps in. Uh, I thought the Huskers' O-line would sure show more heart against uh, against Oklahoma. Uh, Gabriel's run broke their confidence early. Yeah, that's part of it. Um, this is a roster problem. Th- this was not something that Scott Frost was doing to lose these individual, you know, one-possession games, uh, especially this season. This was, this was roster problem. And Oklahoma looked like a playoff contender. I mean, they look absolutely awesome. Um, I mean, you look at these... Just the win probability on this. <laughs> so awesome. By the way, on this graphic on the screen, green is good and purple is bad. So just just tossing that out there. Uh, 82 Atlantic says, Satterfield floated his name for the South Carolina job before Beamer got... Yeah, no, 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 I, we know that. But regardless, like, these coaches float their names all the time. Either you support him or you don't. Like, it is what it is. So regardless. Uh, so back to Oklahoma. This, again... Nebraska, roster problem. Oklahoma looks like a playoff contender in year one for Brent Venables. That defense, like, people had questions in the first couple of weeks because they didn't exactly light the world on fire against UTEP or against uh, whoever they played last week. Uh, Kent State, right? But they were kind of holding stuff back to get to a game like this. And that's what we typically see is you're holding stuff back until you really have to show it against somebody. And that might have been the problem with Kansas State as well, by the way, against Tulane. They didn't think that they would have to do that. 
uh, pull all the tricks out of the bag to be able to get the win. But regardless, I mess around with that too much and I might not be able to uh, get that W for sure. So, yeah, this was, I mean, Oklahoma did everything that they wanted to against this team. Everything they wanted. Dylan Gabriel, by the way, putting up the stats, just looked awesome. Uh, 16 out of 27, 230 yards, two touchdowns. This was the Jeff Lebby uh, game. This was the Jeff Lebby offense in full motion. Gabriel, six carries, 55 yards, and one touchdown. Eric Gray, by the way, uh, 11 carries, 113 yards. Like, they were able to do whatever they wanted. The entire ballgame. It was nuts to see. So, Oklahoma 49, Nebraska 14 was uh, a success for the Sooners. Uh, and if you were trying to fire Scott Frost so that he wouldn't be embarrassed by Oklahoma, well, that's one thing. Uh, but it didn't keep the embarrassing stuff from happening. I will certainly say that. All right, we're going to close out with uh, with Oregon and BYU and uh, Notre Dame, Cal, LSU, Mississippi State, etc. But uh, But first, let's do this. Let's check out some things you should know about. Follow the show on Twitter at Winning Cures. And you can follow Gary at Gary WCE. You can also follow on Facebook. Got your own podcast or web show? Looking to start one? Or you're just curious how we look and sound so good? Well, we've got all the gear that we use listed on our gear page on the website. If you order using our links, you'll be supporting the show too. Subscribe on YouTube to get not only full Winning Cures Everything shows, but individual segments and other goodies as well. We're over 6,000 subscribers, and our goal by the end of the year is 7,500. If you're interested in advertising on a show that reaches over 80,000 unique football fans per month during the season, send an email to Gary at winningcureseverything.com, and we'll put together a plan that best fits you or your business. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. And now, back to the show. All right. Oregon and BYU. And what a magnificent game for the Ducks here. I mean, just just nuts. Uh, we'll go on and jump into it. I'm going to try and roll through these a little bit quicker because I'm taking forever this morning. But it's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to talk about. Oregon, more than one yard per play uh, on this. Advantage, 6.9 to 5.6. They had more than, uh, they had almost 100 more yards, 80 more yards, whatever it is. 439 to 366. They had a turnover. BYU did not. Um you know, you you can see on the screen all the different advantages that the Ducks had in this one. And really, uh, if you pay attention to it, Oregon scored five touchdowns and one field goal on their first six drives. BYU was out of it from the get-go. Uh, of course, it, the Cougars without Romney and Nakua, uh, just, they are not great. They're, they're still a good team, and they're still pretty good in the trenches, you know, somewhat. But they... This team is not great without those two playmakers um, on the corners. Um, and really, if you look at it, like if Baylor hits, you know, one of those kicks that they missed, like does BYU, do we think of BYU the same? Probably not. This is still a team that could beat Notre Dame. 
still a team that could honestly beat Arkansas. I mean, they got them in Provo. Uh, you know, we'll we'll see. But they're going to need their playmakers back. Oregon ran the ball 44 times and only let Bo Nix throw it 18. Success. It worked out well. Uh, this when when Bo Nix and Oregon can get ahead of somebody when they can get the jump on them, unlike they did against Georgia, they can be really successful. Look, Bo Nix, 13 out of 18, 222 yards and two touchdowns. He ran the ball nine times for 35 yards and three touchdowns. Bo Nix had five tutties in this game against BYU. But here's the deal. They're kind of front runners, right? And obviously, anybody plays better when you're ahead because you can play loose. You're not tight. You're not worried about every single play because you've already shown you can do it. In this situation, uh, Oregon just showed out. Just absolutely showed out. Props to them for getting this W uh, because I was a little suspicious, for sure. Just a little bit suspicious. Uh, But you see this drive chart here. Touchdown, field goal, touchdown, 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 touchdown. And at that point, I mean, this thing was done. This BYU was trying to keep up. They they went forward on fourth down, didn't get it. Went forward on fourth down, didn't get it. Went forward on fourth down, didn't get it, et cetera. I mean, this thing was was over. It was just over. So, uh, cheers to Oregon for getting that thing done because that's a, that's a massive program win for sure. Notre Dame, the first win of the Marcus Freeman era. Notre Dame 24, Cal 17. Uh, the Hail Mary at the end was set up by a number of reversed reviews and all of this different... I mean, this game felt like it took ages. It was so long on this one. Just unbelievable. Uh, and yet, you know, still a prototypical Justin Wilcox game. He is now 13-1 and against the spread, his last 14 as a uh, as an underdog of a touchdown or more. That's that's crazy to think about. So they, they lose uh, by a touchdown here, but man... Uh, when you look at the actual stats on this, it, it's, I mean, it, it looked like two identical football teams. Like, if Marcus Freeman is going to be Justin Wilcox, you probably should just hire Justin Wilcox. Because uh, you got more experience that way, I guess. I don't know. Uh, four points, well, no, I guess Marcus Freeman's a better recruiter at this at this point, I guess. Uh, look at how even these numbers are. 4.6 to 4.4 yards per play, 297 total yards to 296. Cal didn't have any turnovers. Notre Dame did. Um, third down tries. Like, Cal was better, but they were better by 26.67% to 25%. Like, <laughs> uh, Notre Dame did finish their drives better than Cal did. Uh, they had four points per scoring opportunity uh, to only 2.83. Um, yeah, so 82 Atlantic says Cal plus 10 was almost in jeopardy when they called back Notre Dame's pick six in the end. Yes, uh, that's that's what I was talking about. The reviews and all that that were reversed and everything else. I mean, I, so I was on the group chat, the group text, whatever, with Kyle and Parker discussing this game because we all decided to take it uh, later on in the week after the shows had already been done for the Bet U.S. College Football Show. And we all went with Cal based on everything that we had seen, right? And our group text lost it when they returned that because I told them before that drive I said the only way that Notre Dame will score here is if Cal throws a pick six 
or if they fumble, then it's like a scoop and score. That is the only way that our cover loses. And show enough, it happened. Now, luckily, they said that Plummer was down, his knee was down, etc. But, uh, but man, I was mortified at that because I had a, I had a, a, an amount of money that was significant to me on that game. I will say that. <laughs> uh, looking at the actual uh, game stats here, Drew Pine was not bad. 17 out of 23, 150 yards, two touchdowns. He was pretty efficient. Uh, no no massive plays or anything, but the fact that only six incompletions, I mean, that's not bad at all. Um, not a great runner, obviously. And looking at California, I mean, their strength, honestly, is only with the passing game. Like, they, they average 3.6 yards per rush. Um but man, Plummer, 16 out of 37 passing for 184 and one touchdown. Uh, just crazy. Like, it, this was a fun game to watch. Notre Dame, I'm happy for them. They got that win. They get the monkey off the back uh, for Marcus Freeman. Like, it's now I think they can play a little bit easier. Uh, they don't have to play tight anymore. But man, that Hail Mary at the end, I mean, that was almost, almost right there. We almost had us a tie ball game going to overtime. And thank God we didn't because I was so tired of watching that game. So, so tired of watching that game. Uh, LSU and Mississippi State. Let's talk about this one right quick. And, man, what a what a ridiculous game here. I, I was so wrong on this one. I could not have been more wrong. Now, I did not bet this one. Um, but, man, LSU, just dominant. Just dominant in this game. Like, what in the world happened on this? Uh uh, total yards of 416 to 289. Uh, Mississippi State more turnovers. Like, Will Rogers does not turn the football over. That was nuts. 5.5 yards per play to only 4.5 in favor of LSU. Uh, LSU better on third down. I mean, surprising. Fourth down tries, uh, they were better on. Like, one out of two as opposed to one out of four. Uh, more points per scoring opportunity. 4.8 to 3.4. They they scored points off of a uh, special teams uh, gaff. You know, that... The situation here, like the Mississippi State mistakes, right? Fumbled punt, like all these different things. And once they got behind the eight ball, like there was no coming back from that. Just nuts. Uh, so Jaden Daniels, I mean, doing his thing, uh, looking at what he actually did in this game, 22 out of 37, 210 yards, one touchdown, and he ran the ball 16 times for 93 yards. Like his usage rate is absolutely absurd. John Emery came back, by the way, from suspension. Cheers to him for getting back on the field. Uh, 11 attempts, 32 yards. He's he's going to have to work his way back into this thing, but definitely good. Uh, Goodwin here, 9 attempts, 75 yards, averaged 8.3 yards per carry. Malik Neighbors, after that dreadful week one performance, um, six receptions, 76 yards here. Uh, they This team for LSU is talented. And you see here, like, they scored 10 points heading into the fourth quarter. They were down 16 to 10. And the mistakes were drastic. Led to 21 LSU points in the fourth quarter. Outscored state 21 to nothing. Just dominated them. And you can see here on the postgame win probability. Um, I mean, just, it, it flipped on a dime. <laughs> I mean, it really did. That was the biggest uh, biggest situation. They, they just flipped that thing over. So props to LSU for getting a dub at home in Tiger Stadium. And this is why Mississippi State fans hate going to Baton Rouge. It's because even when you think that you've got the better team, 
Uh, something like that can happen down there because crazy things do happen in Death Valley at night. That is for sure. Last game, and then if anybody has anything in the Q&A, then we will, uh, we will certainly hit on it. But Indiana 33, Western Kentucky 30. And, of course, this one went to overtime. Props to the guy in the BetUS College Football Show chat that told us that he actually had Western Kentucky favored in this game. And he said, am I crazy for that? And I said, uh, I said, yes, you're crazy because Indiana significantly more talented and the numbers certainly show thus far that Indiana's better. Um, because you have to schedule, or you have to base it on the schedule, like opponent adjusted, right? You can't just look at what Western Kentucky did against Austin P in Hawaii. Apparently we were wrong on that. And that's that's why you get all these data points early in the season so that you can get the actual numbers to figure out what in the world these teams are. Because nobody knows what Michigan really is right now, right? Nobody knows exactly what Indiana is because, honestly, if it wasn't for the turnovers and all the mistakes, Illinois probably should have won that ball game. Like, postgame win expectancy for Illinois against Indiana was massive, right? Western Kentucky in this one. Go ahead and pop it up on the screen here. Post-game win expectancy, 82% for Western Kentucky, and yet they lose it in overtime, 33-30. to Just nuts. Humphrey says, did I miss the Florida breakdown? Poor USF fans. That was some bull. Uh, I, I am not going to do a full breakdown on that one because I need to go back and fully watch it. Like, I need to see exactly what happened. I do know that Anthony Richardson was not great, and it appears that Florida maybe didn't show up. Um, this was a, a sandwich spot for them, and it was a beautiful spot for USF, right, to take advantage of an in-state opponent, et cetera. So, uh, 82 Atlantic, what's your early feel on Georgia State and Coastal? Oh, wait, let me finish. Let me finish Indiana first. All right, let me me dive in this one. So, uh, when you look at the stats here, uh, the drive chart, just just nuts to look at it, right? Uh, Western Kentucky is doing all kinds of fun things as far as the box score goes. Uh, Reed, 33 out of 43, 329, with two touchdowns and one pick. And then, of course, he ran the ball 10 times for 18 yards. Uh, Robichaud, 14 carries for 135 yards. Western Kentucky's offense is surprisingly good considering all the pieces that they lost last year. And they've got a 26-year-old, I believe, offensive coordinator, really young dude that worked under Zach Kitley uh, as a quality control guy last year. I believe he was, like, assistant quarterback coach last season. And they hired him as the O.C., said you know what we trust you go out and get this thing done but man uh the way that indiana was able to win this game late uh third quarter into the fourth quarter touchdown punt field goal touchdown field goal like that's that's how they were able to get this thing done just insane just absolutely insane cheers to indiana for getting it done uh i, I talked about the western kentucky stats but let's talk about connor Bazelag here 33 out of 55 364 two touchdowns um Sean Shivers it just felt like he could not get going in this game. 15 attempts, 58 yards. Uh, DJ Matthews, like five receptions, 41 yards. Like that's, I didn't expect that. I thought that he was going to be able to get way too much here um, or way more in this spot. And yet, it is what it is. Like So Indiana gets the dub. Uh, they are now 2-0 and on the season, or 3-0 and on the season. Didn't look great against Idaho, but regardless, uh, Indiana, 3-0. Got more, more win than he did last year. But I tossed them in there with Kansas and Kentucky and uh, whoever else, right? Duke. All, all of them are 3-0 right now. 
Just insane. Just insane. Uh, other notable games. Uh, here, let's jump into the chat right quick before we get done with this. Um, early feel on Georgia State and Coastal. Georgia State, Coastal's problem is they can't really stop the pass. Georgia State, not great at passing the ball. Granger's like a pretty good uh, quarterback, more so of a runner, though. I'm I'm curious on it. I will tell you that. I don't know that I'm really going to. I, I think Coastal will be favored by close to a touchdown, probably six. Uh, I hadn't looked at what my number would be, but that would be my idea. Double O'Neill, so are the group of five FCS schools better than everybody claims, or are the Power Five schools worse than we think? Um, well, I mean, tossing group of five and FCS in there together is kind of kind of rough. Um, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I said, none of you should be proud of your wins uh, if you barely beat underdogs. Well, that's, that's not necessarily true. I mean, Indiana was a six-point underdog at kick. And they won by three. So, I'd be all right with that. Uh, Humphrey says, uh, Chad, Will, and McCall are going to survive in advance until the wheels fall off this year. Uh, yeah. Uh, Double O'Neill, of course, said that uh, that the G, or the P5 programs are too proud. Uh, some of them are. I mean, for sure. Like, you don't think that, if you're Texas A&M, you don't believe that App State's going to be able to come in and go blow for blow with you. And yet, is what it is. Uh, 82 Atlantic said, USC, Oregon State. Yeah, next week, that is going to be a lot of fun. Two undefeated teams. Definitely, definitely fun. Not really known for being basketball schools, if you're asking why I didn't include them in the 3-0 bunch. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, those two, like, that's going to be a fun game. And it's on Pac-12 Network, of course, because the major networks, ESPN and Fox and whatnot, uh, didn't want to waste one of their USC games because the way the contract is set up, um, the way the contract is set up with the Pac-12 Network is a team that had, you have to be on the Pac-12 Network the same number of home non-conference games that you have. USC has three home non-conference games. They have to be on the Pac-12 network three times. So they are going to be on the Pac-12 network against Oregon State because of that. The networks want to save USC for later in the year. If they do end up becoming a playoff caliber team, a playoff contender, they think that those ratings are going to go through the roof, and I don't think they're wrong. I don't believe that they're wrong. Uh, other notable games here. Eastern Michigan. What up? 30-21 to 21 over Arizona State. And the Herm Edwards watch is on. That team went to Stillwater last week, got their brains beat in by Oklahoma State, and did not show up this week at all. They've got Utah next week, so this was a perfect sandwich spot. I should have looked at it because, my gosh. I mean, you want to you wanna talk about crazy. Um, let's see. Prayers to the Red Raider defensive end that had the compound leg fracture. Lots of stuff injuries last night in uh, in those games. Yeah, I I saw something about that. Um, but I, yeah, I I just don't know enough about it to be able to say anything. Eighty two Atlantic. What do you expect the spread to be for Clemson Wake? Well, it's at Wake. Um, but I would actually have that line Clemson minus around ten. Still, like even with as bad as Clemson has looked, uh, Wake Forest. I know that the offense is great, but Historically, Clemson has dominated this team. Even last year. Like, you remember that game last year. I mean, they won, what, 38-27? to 27? I mean, just, yeah. Uh, Wake's defense is not anything to write home about. This will be a perfect spot to get DJ feeling good about himself. Uh, Arizona, 31. North Dakota State, 28. Well, Jaden Delar doing it again. Jed Fish now at two wins on the season. Uh, not too shabby. Not too shabby. That's a good win for them. A good win because they were actually underdogs in this game. 
I mean, just nuts. Uh, USC, 45, Fresno, 17. Jake Hayner going out with uh, the leg issue. He had to be carted off the field. That certainly sucks. Uh, and then once, once he was gone, there was no chance Fresno was coming back in that game. Uh, it was 21-10, to 10, I think, when he went out, and it just it got worse from there. So, um, Wyoming, 17, Air Force, 14. I brought this up at the beginning of the show, but this is a big one because Air Force looked like they could be a group of five contender for a New Year's Six game. That will not be the case now. Just a guess. Just a guess. Uh, definitely hurt my win total. Uh, I had Air Force over eight and a half, so that's not good. Texas, 41, UTSA, 20. Uh, I was among the group of people that thought that, yeah, this one could be interesting, maybe, uh, if the injuries that we had been hearing about actually are true. Um, you know, like that's, that was interesting. Weird game, but Texas found a way to run away with that. I mean, they had B. John Robinson, you know. Uh, 82 Atlantic, are you surprised? Arkansas State covered at Memphis. I had them plus 13.5. I had Arkansas State plus 14.5. I had just a little bit of pizza money on that one uh, because Arkansas State always covers against Memphis. Like, Memphis's defense is not good. And Arkansas State has figured out a couple of things on offense this year. Um, there's some interesting stuff going on with Memphis. So just keep an eye out on that one. We'll, we'll, see, we'll see what this team looks like. Uh, Virginia, 16, Old Dominion, 14. Virginia put up over 500 yards of total offense and only put up 16 points. <laughs> I, I don't understand it. Brendan Armstrong, you poor, poor soul. You poor, poor soul. Uh, Wake 37, Liberty 36 on this. Uh, I wrote this one down. Of course, I had a, po- a bunch of people ask about it. Uh, this might have been a look-ahead spot for Wake. Maybe. I guess. I don't know. But, I mean, Liberty always does this. Hugh Freeze always does this. This is uh, a weird... Just a, It was a weird spot. Going for two was the right call for Hugh Freeze. Uh, because you were not going to be able to stop that Wake Forest offense. Just bottom line. Maryland 34, SMU 27. Speaking of offenses, uh, SMU, like Tanner Mordecai, threw some of the most ridiculous passes I've ever seen in my life and, and on a bad and good side in this one. Um, double O'Neill surprised the Air Force lost. Yeah, it's same here. But again, Air Force 5 and 16 in their last 21 games against uh, Wyoming against the spread. Like they just, Craig Bowl understands how to stop the triple option. He's always been like that. So, uh, UAB 35, Georgia Southern 21. Uh, back down to earth for the Eagles there. And Bowling Green 34, Marshall 31. Of course, Marshall comes off of a win at Notre Dame, and they get Bowling Green at home, and they lose the game in overtime. Uh, Bowling Green, by the way, biggest, like, I think number two returning production in the country. Like, they had a bunch of guys back, but Bowling Green goes from losing at home to Eastern Kentucky in like quadruple overtime to winning in overtime at Marshall. What what a turn of events. Arkansas 38, Missouri State 27. Bobby Petrino came back home and led this game the majority of the way, and Arkansas finally got it done. Sam Pittman's press conference afterwards was beautiful. He said, well, you, you don't really like losing to somebody that you're supposed to win over. So, you know. (laughs) <laughs> he's he's so much fun to listen to. Uh, let's see. And on top of that, uh, last one that I'll hit on. Georgia, 48, South Carolina, 7. We knew that South Carolina could not block. But, man. I mean, they couldn't do anything to stop them. 
That defense, now defense, of course, obviously injuries, everything else, just rough. Just rough. Ugh. Um, Georgia is by far the best team in the country right now. And I don't think it's close. I don't think it's even close. Um, now, there's still a lot of season left to be played. But at this point right now, Georgia is dominant on a level that, honestly, Alabama used to be that Alabama is not now. Like, Georgia has the lines of scrimmage completely locked up. They have got skill talent. They know what they're supposed to do with the football when they get it. They know how to stop it. It's This team's great. This team is fantastic. All right. You guys have been fantastic. I am going to go ahead and get out of here. Uh, always a good time on these Sunday morning chats. I really appreciate all of you for diving in. What a fun week three. I can't wait for week number four. This is going to be an awesome, awesome weekend. I cannot wait for it. Cannot wait. All right. Uh, the show brought to you by BetUS. Make sure and go check it out. BetUS TV, the BetUS College Football Show, and, of course, the BetUS Sportsbook. It's America's premier online sportsbook. It is where the game begins. There's links in the description to all the other places that you can find us. Look, massive week again last week. Went 5-0 and against the number on the show. Uh, so make sure that you are tuning in for that on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, don't forget, every Sunday, I'm going to be right here knocking this thing out at 10.30 a.m. Eastern. So make sure that you join us. Make sure that you are subscribed to the channel if you have not done so already. And like the video for me. Uh, I hadn't asked you to do that a lot, but make sure, you know, subscribe to the podcast. We do shows Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday. So make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast. Subscribe to uh, to the to the YouTube page. Double O'Neill says, great show. Humphrey says, thanks, Gary. You guys are great. You guys are so wonderful, and I really, really, really appreciate you. Uh, the contest, by the way, uh, I will I will put out the winner on Tuesday. I haven't gotten a chance to even look at that thing. But make sure that you are signing up for the contest each and every week. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. With that said, let's get out of here. You guys take care of yourself, take care of each other, and hopefully all of your tickets cash this week. Thanks for listening to Winning Cures Everything. Make sure and subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. And make sure to leave a nice five-star review. You can follow Gary on Twitter, at GaryWCE. And the show is at Winning Cures. Be sure to check out the merch in our web store and share the show. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. 
take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.